Uh, this week's episode, I, I don't know how much optimism it's gonna have. Sorry, folks. This has gotta be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. It's a breakaway! McKinnon, pure guts! <laughs> they got nothing but guts! Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass and look at the patient, my goodness. Guts all over the place, I can't believe it. And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph and you're watching the Burgundy Radio for March 11th, 2019. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche of a week of rivalries, both living and dead, and we feel like they kill their playoff chances. Use monkey's paw to return one injured player to the lineup, but before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices are Earl, as always. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And we have Tiger Vixen. Hello to you. Greetings. Colorado end the week only two points out of a playoff spot. It sure feels worse than that, doesn't it? It does. They sit, they sit at 72. It's two points behind Minnesota, 74. Dallas are right above at 75 with a game in hand over both teams. Arizona's still in the middle there at 73. They could easily kick the Wild out of the playoffs tonight because they play the LA Kings. It would look a lot more dire than this, but Minnesota threw a game versus Florida 6-2 for some reason. <laughs> Yeesh. No other team is really worth mentioning. The race is down to Colorado and Arizona versus Dallas and Minnesota. Is Dallas really in play, you think? I mean, it depends on if on how they play their games. Like if they play every game like they did against Colorado on Thursday, then then no, they're they're for sure. But they could they could just as easily toss some games in the hole as anybody else could. Yeah, it's um I I guess it's sort of a, a bit of confirmation bias, but you know I mean they really did play well against the Avs this week, so you know I I look at that and I'm like ah, I don't see them dropping out, but. Well, the Avs have one more game against them. I think that's why I would say Dallas might still be on the table. Yeah. That's a really, uh, really big game. And it's not this week, but it is coming up pretty quickly. So it's kind of a a heads up for that one. On Tuesday, Avs win 4-3 in overtime over the stupid Detroit Red Wings. That's right. Win in overtime. This game felt more like endless frustration than relief for a victory because of how many times they had to come from behind. And as a reminder, Detroit, pretty bad team. JT Confer, Miko Ranson, and Tyson Barrier goal scorers here, and Nathan McKinnon gets the overtime winner. Uh, I, I really like the way that you've been kind of describing this, Earl, so why don't you just kind of repeat what you said earlier? Yeah, the Avs played bad against a bad team and managed to win anyway. Um, <clears throat> I did, you know, I, I think that's, you know, that that can be a metaphor for the season. I also think inside the game, two of the goals happened on really bad line changes, and I think there were three of those this week that you could sort of chalk up to bad line changes, and it's just. You know, that really doesn't give you confidence as far as, you know, where the guys' heads are right now. Um, But I I think the demons that they slayed in this game, especially with, you know, Barry uh, getting a sort of final minute type of goal to to put it to overtime and then McKinnon getting their first three-on-three goal of the season. Um, You know, as badly as they played, there were some positives to take out of that. 
positives are definitely uh, needed right now. Um, but just it's it's really hard to overstate how not good Detroit really is, and trailing that team more than once is way too many times. It was kind and of brilliant the- that they gave Detroit a point to help the Ottawa tank. <laughs> Maybe that was the plan all along. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Detroit was playing a lot of kids and we should know what we get when other teams are out of it, but they're playing for the future and they're not they're bad, but they're not old and slow bad. There's there's some youthful inconsistencies and mistakes, but they play with a lot of energy. They have some talent in the lineup. We got to see Philip Sedina, who I felt like played very well. We gave him his first NHL goal. And that that felt like it was pretty inevitable all night. Yeah, I think one thing, if you, you know, when you're watching the game, you know, one of the main things I noticed throughout the game was was how much Detroit speed really overwhelmed the Avs at times. Um. You know, and, and that's something we'll, we'll probably get into later about how, you know, the Avs are sort of playing a, a slowish type game right now. But, you know, I, I think of the three games this week, it was the most obvious in this one that, you know, that as much as you want to say this is a young, fast team, that they're, you know, they don't play that way a lot. And I, I think the kind of a similar thing happened against Anaheim. Was is was not a good team that the Avs should have easily beat, but they have a lot of young talent in their lineup now and could pose some problems. Yeah, I I just you know I love thinking of the Avs as a young fast team, but if you're not using that speed in a productive way, you know what what good is that? Um, You know, it's just really frustrating to see something that should be you know a, a big positive for you know, a team like the Avalanche and it's just, it's, it's not used by either the staff or even the players to win it's, games. It's kind of a myth that the Avs have all these above average skaters too. It is. A few. But I mean, yeah, I mean, but they, you know, they don't play fast and that's the thing, you know, it, I mean, I, I like the guys on the team that are fast, you know, like J- I was talking this week about JT Comfer, you know, he's, he's a fast skater. Um, Matt Calvert is, is, you know, he's a quick skater. Kerfoot's a quick skater. Sven is a, a quick skater. And other than sort of breaking, you know, breaking away or something like that, you know, using, using the speed on the rush, um, they don't use the speed defensively to shut the other teams down, and uh, you know, I just I, I think that's that's just not the way to go. I mean, they could they could really control the neutral zone a lot better if they decided to, you know, sort of be a, a bit quicker on pucks and, and more aggressive. They always seem to retreat and regroup. It's yeah. like any oppor- It seems like almost every other opportunity they have to kind of attack. And they have the puck. And I understand they're trying not to just turn it right back over, but they retreat and regroup so much that it just pretty much kills any advantage they would have had. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I think it's it's sort of an underlying strategy for the whole whole ice game. You know, they retreat into their own zone and regroup and, and try to attack and, and 
break out and break into the offensive zone. But you know, even with the keeping the puck high in the offensive zone is sort of the same mentality. And they just turn it over anyway. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's just closer to the net when it happens. So. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those goal scorers from Detroit that put the avalanche behind was Nicholas Cronwall. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> you would expect a team that gave up a goal to Nicholas Cronwall in 2019 to lose the game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Colorado made up for it on Thursday, going into a crucial game against the Dallas Stars, and they didn't show up at all and lost four to nothing. Shots on goal were a fairly even, thirty-three to thirty-one. But if you paid attention to this one, you know the Avs never once looked dangerous. They either stayed to the outside end of the points, or they were forced there all game long. Yeah, this this one was really disappointing. I think. I don't. It depends on what happens the rest of the season, but I I do feel like we're gonna look back on this one. It's just I I felt like in the first period was okay. They were. Yeah. I think they had energy. Like it wasn't that they were. Sometimes they've come out lethargic. You know, so I wouldn't say they didn't show up or they did. They weren't into it. I I I feel like they weren't accomplishing much, but they were they were in it, and then it yeah. was. As soon as they got down the second goal, it was just like no confidence, no belief. They were just like ready to get out of there. Yeah, around the time of that 2-0 goal, Dallas really stepped up their physical game. And the, and that, the Avs responded by doing so nothing evident. at all different. <laughs> they just continued the same, uh, the same game and they didn't hit back. They didn't try to attack the holes that hitters leave open in the defense. Uh, that had a lot of fans complaining that Nikita Zadorov was still injured and how much of an impact he would have on the roster. And the monkey's yeah. paw curled. Zadorov will return <laughs> the next game against Buffalo. But late in the third, Gabe Landeskog takes a weird bump into the boards from Ben Bishop and messes up an arm. He's probably not going to return this season. Four to six weeks, the official time frame. Sorry, folks. Yeah, it's yeah. just funny that you lose Landeskog for a good chunk of time and Zadorov was okay after one game. We're not complaining, whatever it was that he had to do to get his bionic arm. Uh, he, yeah, they definitely need Zadorov. I don't know if he would have been enough to turn the tide. Cause I think oh, Lord, no. the, the physicality <laughs> and when they, when they get beat up like that, I think it's like a team mentality. They have, they can fight back if they want to like, they were hitting pretty decent in the Buffalo game, but then again, Buffalo's also like little children kittens like we are, so it was like <laughs> child child on child violence there. <laughs> but you know, Dallas isn't exactly a big heavy physical team. Like you expect to get beat up by like Winnipeg or Nashville. But it's like the Dallas took it to them physically was kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I mean and you know, Steph, I love your point that they weren't taking advantage of when Dallas just decided to go physical. And, and you know, they, I mean, they kind of turtled at that point because the Avs did sort of control the, the shots for, you know, the rest of the second period at least. Um, but it just, it seemed like, it seemed like Dallas tried to distract them with violence <laughs> and the Avs bought right into it. And yeah, that's yeah just... you're supposed to use your skill to overcome when it's right. And, and like we were just talking about with, you know, the not using their speed, it's just like, you know, 
you can get distracted by the violence and, and buy into it or whatever. But it, you know, the other option is, you know, there, there's going to be guys out of position, and you can use your speed to create some odd man matchups. And it's when you, you know, saw that guy like Ian Cole get physically owned, you're just like, oh, this isn't this isn't going to go well. Like if yeah. anyone is there and the whole reason why basically like a giant reason why he's on the team is to be able to say, stand up and say, we're not taking it. And for a guy like him to take it, it just sends a whole message that like, if he's not fighting back, what do you expect? Like someone like Jost to do? Yeah. Like that, that, that shift where I think it was down in, um, the, the corner in the av zone where he got slammed against the boards and then, 10 seconds later, he gets knocked down completely. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, what are we doing here, guys? I mean, <laughs> help. Um, one thing I want to note on the, the star's first goal was another bad line change. Like, I, I mean, it, it looked like a bad line change because it was three guys that didn't play together, you know, before or after. And you had Agazino and Wilson as the quote-unquote center, perhaps. One of them maybe was the center. We don't know, but neither of them really are centers. And, you know, they they left the guy wide open, and that's where Dallas got the first goal. And, it, you know, I, I think after that, it, there was a little bit of deflation. Oh, yeah, like and... Riker was asking why on earth Wilson, Agazino, and... Who did you say the third forward was? I don't, I don't remember who the third guy was, but yeah, he wasn't as involved in. <laughs> it wasn't a real line, you know. And it, yeah, and it's just like obviously someone went on the ice that probably wasn't supposed to be there. Well, and... they've been mixing the lines up a lot, and I think that's also part of, you know, maybe why they're getting too many men penalties or. Right, maybe weird line changes, but then again, you know, I'd have to go back and see why that line happened. Was it because of? Well, Wilson and Agazino jumped on the ice right before that happened, so it's... Yeah, they shouldn't be together, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like if your second line left wing and your fourth line, you know, center kind of out there. and Right. I think the other guy was Calvert, so it's like your third line right wing, and you're just like, all right, that's not a line. Why are you out there together? And I know we've complained about the stagnant lines. I don't know if you want to get into that right now, but... Um, you can go too far the other way too, where it's just like nobody knows who they're playing with. Yeah, Honestly, I mean, I, I, I put a lot me. of that on the. <clears throat> I put a lot of that on the coaches, just because. I mean, I, I I put bad line changes on coaches. Um, you know, just because I mean, it's like you're supposed to make sure that everybody knows who they're going on for, and yeah, sometimes you have to make you know a split second decision, you know, with it within you know, a, a dude 10 feet from the bench coming off. But, you know, when when someone goes on the ice that's not supposed to, generally they think they were supposed to, and, and that can be avoided. Right. But overall, this was, you know, this was a, I, this was a game where, you know, they just felt overmatched. And, you know, I, I'm, I don't look at Dallas as sort of a, high-powered team or anything like that you know i I don't think other than jamie ben kind of getting in max head all night i i I really don't think that like their star players won this game for them definitely would 
It was also disappointing because that was the night Minnesota won and beat Tampa. It was the night Arizona won. I think they beat Calgary. It was just... It just felt like they took two steps back that night. It was really a worst of all worlds night. De- definitely were in the worst timeline. And uh, they, they, they left the, that night out of the playoffs by four points. And it felt like everything was dead and over and done. And GG, go home. And then on top of that, Landis Cobb got hurt. And find out the next day, he's probably not coming back. And yeah. that definitely leaves a hole on the team. It, it does, and we're going to get to that. But first, Saturday, it was the Avs' opponent's turn to not show up as the Avs win 3 to nothing over a Buffalo Sabres team that honestly didn't put up much of a fight, except for the time Jack Eichel ran his shoulder through Carl Soderberg's face. He has a hearing <laughs> with player safety for that today, and uh, by the time you're hearing the show, you may well know the outcome of that, and I'm kind of hoping it'll run through Twitter as we're talking, but I haven't seen it yet. Goals belong to Mac and Miko again. Three points for McKinnon, plus Gabe Bork gets his first of the year into the open net from way downtown. So there you have it. Bang. I sure felt more like the season was ending than that the team brought home four points out of six. Um, It really helps that, as we mentioned earlier, Minnesota lost to Florida to keep things, you know, to keep there being at least some semblance of hope. Yeah, I mean, they're still in 10th place, and I just... You know, if, if they back it up against the Canes on Monday night, then okay. You know, maybe maybe there's a, a bit of a turnaround. Um, but, you know, taking a lot out of the Sabres game is, is tough for me just because, you know, the Buffalo really didn't show up. And, you know, on, on top of all that, the Avs had so many shots on goal. They only shot 7%. They didn't create a lot of dangerous chances. Um, you know, Buffalo did a, you know... Aside from not showing up, they actually did a pretty decent job of, of keeping things sort of to the perimeter and to the outside. And that, you know, that's kind of disturbing. But, you know, take the win and move on, I guess. I feel like the Avs are going to be close enough to be frustrating through the stretch. Like, in a way, it would be more of a relief they would just pick one direction or the other. But I think they're just going to ride that line where it's, you know, they'll lose a, a dumb game and we'll think that's it again. And then they'll go out and probably beat a better team. And it's just, you don't know. It probably will come down to next week when they play Dallas and Minnesota. That yeah. really should say which way this should go. Well, we hope it gets to that point because that would mean they've made it through this week intact. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the Buffalo game, I Ruto said that Buffalo's like stealth tanking and you do got to wonder about that because I think they've won two twice in the last 10 games and at times they definitely looked like they were trying to tank. But like girl said they kept it close enough for long enough where you were worried about like a fluke goal would tie it up and and they could lose the game in overtime again but it was especially for not having Landy they did play more of like a team game I guess you could say they they had to split the lines up again which goes back to when they were successful several weeks ago they had big lines split up so it's at another point in that favor of at this point, maybe you just keep McKinnon and Miko separate to have two decent lines. 
One thing I found really interesting was during the broadcast, I forget who mentioned it, it might have been Mosier, said that on November 27th, the Sabres were the number one team in the NHL, and they've only won 13 games since then, and the Avs have won 15. And that sort of coincides with December 2nd when that the Avs, I think they were either the number one team in the Western Conference or tied with Nashville or something like that. But, you know, it's like both these teams peaked right around then and have just fallen off the map since. I don't think they were ever first uh, in the conference, so. I think they might have been, actually. I, I, I think they were tied with Nashville for a second. I think so, too. I mean, I'm sure like they Nashville were in the, had... in the division, but I don't think they, they were ever ahead of Calgary. Oh, yeah. No, the Pacific was bad until late or mid-December. Um, Nashville had the tiebreaker at the time, so they weren't actually at the top of the conference, hmm. which is what, you know, which is why I didn't get a big deal made of it, but they were actually tied in points for the lead in the conference. Remember when the point had the Avs as the number one ranked team in the league? Exactly. That was a fucking curse, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, Buffalo, in some ways, they're a lot like the Avs. Yeah. The parallels were interesting. Um, But, you know, they just... It's weird that both teams sort of have some of the same maladies like I, I would call buffalo a much younger team than the avs even though you know they're probably pretty close in age um but they still have you know their dumb vets and we have our dumb vets and, and things like that um so it's you know it's, it's an interesting parallel just the only difference is that the cutoff for a wild card in the east is so much higher yeah in any like other year the Avs should be done right by now yeah yeah <laughs> The West is yeah, like mostly if, irredeemable garbage this year. Yeah, if you're two games over 500 at this point in the season, you shouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs. So is it going to be a sub-90 point wild card? That's been the yeah. pace for a while now. Yeah, it's looking like 86, 87. It is, might be, I, I think whoever ends up being the wild cards will end up probably getting close to 90 or maybe over, but it just, yeah, with the pace, that's that's what it looks like. So I think we should also mention that it was Philip Grubauer in net for the shutout against Buffalo. Yeah. So the last game that he played, I believe, was... Anaheim. Anaheim? No, wait a minute. I thought someone said he had two shutouts in a row. He had two shutouts in the last three games. Ah. He shut out out Nashville. Then He seems to be the weekend guy now. <laughs> uh, Maybe plays on keep weekends. him on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was the five zero Nashville winner and the two one Anaheim loser, where he was pretty much the only player on the ice, and then the three one Buffalo winner, where he had all the help in the world. Honestly, shout out to Grubauer for only facing seven shots through forty minutes and staying sharp. That's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And through into that, he had to go in for Varley for five minutes in the Dallas game while Varley's skate blew up and stopped all three shots there. So he's he's stopped 80 out of his last 82 shots, which is a 976. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty stout. I think they'll use him against Carolina. See if they can 
make him more useful than just the weekend guy? I mean, Monday's kind of like an extension of the weekend. <laughs> if you want it to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it. you know, I don't know why you wouldn't. Just because, you know, statistically he has been doing better. Um, you know, and I, I don't blame Varley for basically anything that happened in the Dallas game. You know, I don't, I don't really think that was a poor showing by him at all. Um, they're, you know, the, the, the goals against in the Detroit game were all stupid too. Um, you know, it's like he ended up giving up seven goals this week and maybe two were really his fault. Um, but you know, it's like if, if you're, you know, if, if the plan might be to roll with Grubauer as the starter next year, I mean, this is sort of when you want to ride a hot guy like that. I think it will give them the idea that they can roll with Grubauer next year, whether that's a good idea or not, remains to be seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and let's remember, you know, our discussion last week about, you know, Grubauer being good on lots of rest. And that's basically what he's been playing with. He's been playing once a week on lots of rest. So, you know, can, can he back it up? Can he play, you know, two games and three nights kind of thing and, and, you know, still have the same effectiveness. When they've tried that kind of thing earlier in the season, it has exploded in their face. It sure has. I mean, definitely three games in four nights is not his forte. No, and we we would really like some of those points <laughs> back, but uh, who am I to who am I to make that decision? Apparently, yeah. But he definitely had plenty of help getting the shutout against Buffalo. But he looked fine; like it wasn't even like just. Yeah, you know, I honestly didn't notice him. <laughs> like he he had a breakout or two, a breakout, a breakaway or two that he uh, shut down, and was. Yeah, the, the Sabres' best chance was, you know, on a power play for the Avs, of all things, with a guy coming out of the box for a breakaway. That never um, happens against the Avs. No. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that was a nice stop, and obviously the, the six-on-five flurry at the end, you know, shut that down too. So, you know, that's... Uh, you know, I was fully expecting the flurry at the end to maybe produce something like that. So good on him. So maybe we before we move on from, maybe we before we move on from that game, I, I really want to talk to about McKinnon and Miko's goals. Cause they were both fantastic. Boy, um, McKinnon's was just like, he belonged in the next tier of league, which doesn't exist. Right. You know, it's like Jack Eichel, Cross checks him in the back, knocks him down. He doesn't lose the puck, gets up, enters the zone, totally blows past Darlene, and then fires a bullet. You know, I mean, that was, I mean, it's just, you can't stop that. No, that was, <clears throat> that was like a, just a next level play where it's like, I'm going to yeah. steal your puck. It doesn't matter if you knock me down. Then I'm going to skate through you. Then I'm going to shoot through you. Good luck stopping it. Yeah. Um, and on the you know, other and side I know we all want to. Like Buffalo should, I, I don't care that's Nathan McKinnon. Buffalo should be ashamed of themselves for that goal. That was, <laughs> they got wrecked. I know, and it, it, but again, it's you know, it's not like scrubs were defending him. It's you know, we're we're looking at Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin here. I mean, you know, it's like they, you know, he, he did this against the best they had to offer. Um, and Miko's goal, I love when he does that. 
and it, it, it's the he's just standing there by himself. He looks the goalie in the eye and fires it in a space that maybe has a centimeter around the puck to go in. And that shot is deadly. I mean, I, I, I doubt there's five other guys in the league that can make that shot. And, you know, we, he doesn't shoot as much as McKinnon, obviously, but I think his shots better. He's always been a little bit deferential on on taking the shot. Not that he's afraid to shoot, but he's definitely had more of a pass-first game. Um, And so it's uh, definitely good to see Ranson and get... That was his 30th, yeah? That was, yeah. That's that's 30 goals for each of the three-headed monster, and uh, good for that. First time the Avs have had three 30-goal scorers since... um, 1996, I believe. So, should we now go ahead and and move on to the other member of that three-headed monster and talk about the team's kind of look without Gabe Landeskog? Sure. So, Landeskog's arm, wrist, elbow, shoulder, finger, something is blown up. And we're not going to see him again, probably, until next season. Unless they just pump them full of HGH and pray that there's no testing. <laughs> Not that the NHL has a steroid problem or anything like that. Um, and so, remind us what the team did to fill Landeskog's hole in the roster. Well, this is the craziest thing ever, but they split Miko and Mac up and put them on different lines. Hmm. And, <laughs> you know, it... It's not the first time we've seen this. In fact, right before the deadline, they were doing this with with some pretty good results, and um, you know it 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 worked again. And they, they had Broussard and Comfer with Mac. I think that worked fine. Um, they put Miko with with Carl and uh, Wilson. And it really sort of evened out the minutes and responsibilities throughout the lineup. And, it, you know, once again, it, it really seemed to have effects throughout the lineup. And, you know, again, if, if they continue this against Carolina, we'll see how it works against a slightly better and more invested competition. Slightly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't want to declare it the panacea yet, but it really does look like when you split those guys up, and I'm not saying you should do this for every shift, every game, but when you're able to leverage their talents to make two lines really good rather than just one being awesome, um, it, it seems to have a lineup-wide effect in the positive direction. I think Soderberg's a big key to this, and we've talked yeah. all year about using Soderberg in more of a traditional second-line type of scoring role and I think putting Miko with him is is a good step towards that. Kind of forces it because Miko's not going to play in the defensive zone. I think I think, I think he's they not, work well it, off each other. I do. think Yeah, I mean I don't think Miko's as bad as we make him out to be. It's just you put Miko and Mac together and they're both kind of iffy at times and double iffy is bad, but you put Soderberg with Miko and it, it it really does seem to make Miko better defensively. But Miko and Mac were playing anyway, so the net result of Landeskog not playing is they just decided to start using Bork again. 
That was fun. And that's a concern. <laughs> gabe in, gabe out. Which is, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's true. That is an easy way to look at it. He scored a goal. Their game what quotient. do you want? I know, I know. <laughs> but, so, but I mean, now now you got a a member of the of the roster who's out of the lineup. So they surely they added a player to fill that gap, right? No. <laughs> they sent one down. <laughs> that was a bizarre decision. Can anyone find logic in I, that? No, I don't because Okay, if you were going to send Dries down to help the Eagles, if if your thinking was you don't want him to sit around and you want to send him down and help the Eagles, then why didn't you decide that at the point where he could have played for the Eagles on Friday? So yeah, like what was the point? Or wait, the- wait, wait. Do it at the deadline? And then you don't have to call him up and waste a call up. That too. <laughs> has he played the deadline? I think he has. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, obviously he's fallen out of favor, and you know they, they're. I'm not going to say they're done with him, but it just you know he he wasn't doing what they wanted, and that's why he's gone. And I still wonder if he'd be the next one up though, because as they are right now, they're running with no extra forwards, and. That's not going to continue forever, especially when they go on. Yeah, but- Maybe for this week and when they have the three days after Monday's game, I could understand that they just want to go with the 12 they'll play. But they are going to need an extra forward at some point, and I'm still not sure it just won't be him again. But the other thing is that they brought up Agazino. I forget what day they brought up Agazino. It was obviously before Landis Scott got hurt. Right. It was before the Dallas game because I guess they decided to go back to something that we had argued about which was you got rid of all the, the people that gave you kind of a spark and some new energy. So even though you know, and um, Agazino is my least favorite of that group I mean, we argued about it for them to see the logic and at least bringing one of those guys back, I get, but I, I, guess I don't it's know. It's worth they, mentioning. They also use Ryan Graves in that game too, because he was out. Yeah. And I guess they didn't get the spark. So, I mean, I get why they did it. And at least they tried something. It's something that we've complained about. So at least they recognize they needed something different, but as we move forward here, if the idea is just to play Agassino and Bork, I, you've got to do better than that. Like, you know, Agassino is a great AHL player. He's having a great season, but that's what he is. Like, that's why you signed him and you pay him is to help the AHL team get wins. Like he's not a Gabe Landeskog's out of the lineup. Now you're in the NHL. You have to It'll do be better a- than that. You have to have a better option and a plan than that. Like, that, that's just not okay. It's not okay. for Like, they decided for a whole, a whole month, it was after the Columbus game in early February, that they decided, for whatever reason, they could not dress Bork anymore. <laughs> and they played him, I think it was twice between then and this last game. So clearly they were... <laughs> before this last game. <laughs> so clearly they were pretty steadfast in this decision. He's and a point they... producer now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say like, 
okay, we'll start playing Borg now. Like, it just, it just doesn't pass any sort of logic test. And I don't, I don't know what the alternative is. I guess we could say Greer, he had another great weekend in the HL. We can also say it's pretty clear that they don't see him as an option. And then they're pretty much left with nothing. And they consistently leave themselves with no options. No one in the HL is ever good enough. Nobody's ready. Nobody can step in. And we're left with Agazino on board. Like, they should miss the playoffs just based on leaving themselves in this position. Well, the interesting thing is that also, like, <clears throat> I, I would guess they want to get Agazino back to the Eagles for Tuesday and Wednesday's games against Ontario, you know, at, at least. Yeah. Um, and then that's during the Avs break. So, you know, what, what are they going to do after that? Um, they obviously have to call someone up. So, you know, what what are they going to do? You know, is is the Ontario series in Loveland going to be a gong show and, and whoever wins that gets to come back up? Or, you know, are they going to try to do... I also wonder, like, how are, how are all these teams making emergency call-ups, but yet the Avs have to adhere to these rules about only having four call-ups after the deadline? Um, that's something they should probably figure out because having emergency call-ups would be cool because then you could call up Greer or whoever you want and it doesn't count against your four. Um, and maybe if they send Agazino down and they have you know 11 healthy forwards or something like that, <laughs> they can just and that's call like, it. aha, we have an emergency in our lineup, so um, they can start doing that. Um, it seems like how that works. I don't know how the Islanders got away with calling Hosang an emergency, but then they didn't use him. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> then it wasn't an emergency. <laughs> Didn't sound like an emergency to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's not something that's written down somewhere that we can figure out. So however the Islanders and some other teams are doing that right now, hopefully the Avs can figure that out. And, and maybe that's yeah. why they sent Dries down, so they could say, yeah. hey, we don't have any extra forwards, and we can call someone up. But if that's however it satisfies the game, then then I get that. But it just the timing of sending Dries down after Landeskog gets hurt. It's just like Hilarious. why weren't you sending him why weren't you sending him down anyway? Like what <laughs> like you, you go to practice and you find out Landeskog's out for the rest of the season. It's like, okay, now we can send you down. Yeah. Um no it's it's weird and you know going back to what we're what we're losing with Landeskog out of the lineup, um, you know, I mean, holding a team, any team, you know, I, I don't care if it's, you know, Buffalo playing their worst game of the season or not, you know, holding a team defensively to 18 shots on goal. I mean, that's, you know, that's a fantastic defensive performance. And, you know, that's something you'd think, you know, that's a situation where you think they would really miss Landy and it didn't seem like they did. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that Landy's not important defensively. It just shows that, you know, when they have a little bit more of an even lineup, they spread the talent out and, and various other that adversity thing, you know, it, yeah. a, t a team when they lose, cause you always see it like, Oh, we get to play such and such team without their stars. You get this to play San Jose without Eric Carlson and Evander <laughs> Kane. Yeah. Right. And, and the awesome. guy that they put in the lineup gets two goals. So it's just like, you know, a, a team kind of can bond together a little bit through adversity. They they understand they all have to pick up a little bit more slack. They all have to be a little bit more mindful defensively. 
things like that. It's just, it probably doesn't last, but it can in the short term. I mean, I was really impressed with Tyson Jost yesterday. I mean, that's probably the best game he's had all season, not next to Gabe Landeskog. Um, Cause you know, they, they were doing really well as a pair before the deadline and before they, they went back to the top heavy setup. But um, you know, I think Kerfoot, Jost and Calvert were, had a pretty underrated day yesterday and, I, you know, I don't know if it's just sort of Joe's progression or maybe he was learning some things playing next to Landy, but he's attacking the ice a lot more now, uh, attacking the center of the ice a lot more now. And it's just, he, he was always such a perimeter player for most of the fall and, and before he got sent down and everything, you know, it's, just, he's, he's playing a different style now. And then that's, you know, maybe playing next to Landy allowed him to do that. And now he's like, I don't even need Landy. I can just do that. And, you know, that's, that's a very hopeful thing. So we said a few minutes ago, something that gave me an initial gut reaction of dear God, don't do that. And that's uh rolling, running with 12 forwards because someone, when you do that, someone's going to get hurt in, in pregame warmups. That just, it never fails. But then I, they might Graves be, they might be better. Yeah, they might be I better. Up. That that uh, that Jared Bednar plays his fourth line like five minutes at even strength. So who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like I wouldn't mind if they dress seven D. Sometimes it yeah. Cause it what what difference does it make? It may actually be better for them to run that. <laughs> Especially since Cole might be getting close to getting kicked out again. Yeah. At seven. Yeah, you never know. So, um, with the with the week that we did have, do we want to find some stars and find some scratches? I mean, I've, first star for me, um, you know, imme- immediately Mac comes to mind just because he, you know, he he had a Mac week, and those have been all too rare over the past few months, and. You know, it, it's it's good to see him get it going again. He had a lot of points. Yeah. And the first overtime goal, the goal he scored yesterday. Um, you know, it's that's you know, I, I'm sure he's been very frustrated over the past few months, and you know, maybe it's a little too little, too late, but. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him get to 100 points. Love to see him get to 40 goals. Um, just because I, you know, I, I got the feeling that 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 it frustrated him to get so close to both last year and not make it. Well, you don't want to make frustrated. <laughs> He's not think, any good. I think Miko should be another one, which is another kind of obvious one. But in the week they had, I wouldn't say there was anyone that was fantastic the whole week. So I, yeah. I think Miko deserves it. He got to 30 goals, which is a big milestone. And he had 29 last year. So 30 is a new high for him. And, and he's been taking a ton of abuse. Yeah, I mean, he, he left. I think I, he's played he well too. He definitely left la- uh, the Buffalo game after getting clocked. Um, 
Yeah, and I do wonder I, about that. I forget that. whether it was the D- Detroit game or the Dallas game where he went awkwardly in the boards, and we're wondering about that. I think that was the, D- the Detroit, Detroit game. Detroit was at home, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, actually thought at points he was pretty good in that Dallas game. He was creating down low, just nothing came of it. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I think it was Darlene hit him in the face yesterday, and it's more inadvertent yeah. than the Eichel on Soderberg, but still it kind of got him square in the head. And yeah, and he, he went left. down the tunnel, and that was scary. And he came back, but he just sat on the bench. He didn't take another shift, and they could say it was garbage time. Did he need to take another shift? But then he could have just been there ornamentally. <laughs> yeah. So no, that's, that's something I, I'm wondering about for next I game. I am. Yeah, I am a touch concerned about that, but and and Carl kind of worried me because he didn't he didn't look right after. <laughs> I, I mean, he, I think he played decent the rest of the game, but he just he didn't look right after getting clocked by Eichel. I'm I guess surprised we'll see. he didn't end up pulled off by the spotters. Yeah, he, both guys for that matter. And maybe they had to go through protocol afterwards, but... Um... So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they call anyone up. If either of them miss, they have to call someone up, so... Right. And then I think we can add to the star list Philip Grubauer for the, shut- for the shutout. I think that's fair. Yeah. Who are we mad at? I did, I did, the the bad changes. I I don't know if it's it's a person we can really blame. I mean, maybe that's Bednar, but it's just you know giving up three goals on bad changes in a week. That's just unsatisfactory at the NHL level. Does it does it not come down to the roster being different every single night? Like if you if you're on a different line every night, it's it becomes a little bit I, confusing. Yeah. Yeah, I, do I mean, the coach is supposed to tap you and say you're on next. I mean, <clears throat> I just, you know, the the what whatever happened in, with both goals in the Detroit game was was terrible. Um, and the and the and the coverage thing on the first goal in Dallas that definitely looked like a problem. But I mean, yeah, you you can say it's a little confusing when the the lines are different, but it just again, you know, it's like you. That the coach is supposed to tap you and say you're you're going next. So, you know, if he's tapping two guys or tapping four guys, saying go on next, all right, that's the coach's fault. If someone's just going on on their own, then it, we got a problem there too. I would scratch the power play. Now, I know that statistically it's still hanging in there, but especially in the Dallas game, you just saw what. A god-awful power play did to the momentum of that game. Like, yes, they got a power play goal against Buffalo, and that's going to hold It was four on three, though. So does that not count as power? I, I don't know. Does it that is a power play goal, but it wasn't okay. like their five-on-four okay. normal power play setup. So fr- from no. the standpoint of the things we complain about all the time, that, that didn't factor into that. Okay, so basically they still have not converted. On a regular power play, <laughs> and in, in important games, like yeah, they can get some against bad teams. They can get some on occasion, but that power play is so bad that it, it can change a game 
for the negative. And I think that was a factor in the Dallas game because right after they had their second shitty power play, Dallas scored. And and one thing we forgot to mention about the Detroit game is the PK was awful. And two of the PK goals were tipped in by Avalanche players. And then that goes along with the one of the Anaheim goals the in last week. They I think it was three out of the last five they had tipped in themselves on the PK. Um, Maybe that was the final straw for Dries because I think one of those <laughs> the Detroit game was just bad. It, yeah, I mean, like Cole's. I, I hate if you're, you know, if, if you're less than halfway to the guy, I don't think you should be trying to bl- block a shot. And the the one that Cole tipped that was one of those where they had sort of the trapezoid around the, their own goal, and Cole tipped it, and it just. It couldn't have been more perfect. Like there is only one millimeter tolerance with his stick that that would have allowed that goal to actually go in and go, you know, a perfect shot into the corner. But again, it's just like if you're five feet away from the goalie, you're not supposed to be blocking shots. I mean, that's just it. Let Definitely. the goalie see the shot. Definitely not. He's with got the stick. pads. He's got a glove and, and a big <laughs> stick and everything. That's his job. If you're gonna block it, don't use your stick. That's yeah. just, that's just asking for trouble. Yeah, and it's just, you know, I mean, every it happens to every team, but it just, when you see a rash of goals like that, I mean, like Calvert's tip against Anaheim, I mean, that was just, I mean, it's like, that's how you score goals. That's not how you block shots. <laughs> yep. You know? <laughs> um, and it's just, that, that goes back to something that I, you know, I like when they're aggressive pressuring the puck carrier on the PK and not when they're sitting back trying to block shots. And it just, when they get into that sit back and block mode, it, it just it makes it worse. And you know, we we've gone through long stretches this season where the, you know, that has been a chronic issue. Sit black, sit sit back and block mode is what happens yeah. when you're too tired to continue aggressively pressuring the puck. Not your primary strategy. Right, and you know, it's like you you just kind of see that when they get tired, they collapse and. You know, it's. I I I don't know how to fix it because I I don't know exactly why that's why they're so tired. But you know, either you need to have different guys out there, or you know, spread out, do something, fix it. I think another star we can add to the list is the Colorado Eagles. Yeah, they are on a tear. Uh, they've won six straight and seven out of their last ten. After I pretty much left them up for dead, um, it helps that the Tucson Roadrunners, their main competition for the final playoff spot in the Pacific Division, have been tanking big time. They've only won one out of their last ten, so they've gone from three points out of a playoff spot to seven points up. Um, so it, as it stands right now, they have a very good chance of making the playoffs. Uh, much better than the Avs, obviously. So we may be getting some playoff hockey in Colorado. It just it won't be in Denver. It'll be close to Denver. It'll be yeah, uh, be fifty miles away. So how how have they gotten on such a hot streak? Like, is it do we have goaltenders standing on their head? Are they just playing teams and out yeah. and crushing it's, them? Yeah. It's kind of all that. Like one, they're really they're a good team at home, so 
four four of these six wins have been at home against not good teams. That helps. Two, they're they've owned Tucson for whatever reason this year. So two of those games were against Tucson, and then three this weekend. They managed. Uh, they played a good San Diego team and shut them out both games. They won one game, one nothing, and then the next game, two nothing. So, Fransuza and Martin each had a shutout over this weekend. So I, I don't know. I don't know why San Diego could not manage any offense. Yeah, maybe it's because they lost a lot of their young talent to Anaheim. So that's part of it. I'm still a little bit concerned when the Eagles have to play a lot more in California down the stretch or against California teams. But um, the other thing is that they're playing a lot of ECHL guys, veterans. So I don't know what to make of that, if that's actually making them better or if the Eagles will just think that's what's making them better. (laughs) (laughs) And... You know, we'll see. It, it would be it would be a big thing for the affiliate to get in the playoffs because that hasn't happened in nearly ten years, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. But yeah, how they I mean, get there is kind of an interesting part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think aside from the goalies, AJ Greer was a huge part of this weekend. Um, Definitely. He's he's really taken over a big offensive role. I mean. I, yeah, I, I think Tone and Otto has helped a lot. I think they play very well together. And, you know, that's that's sort of a good top line for them. They can be used in most situations. And, um, you know, it, I mean, three goals on, on in two games and they get four points out of it. Yeah, that's, you know, you're, you can't count on that. <clears throat> um, you're going to need the rest of the lineup to, you know, contribute a little bit more. I, I wonder how sick they are because uh, Francis was yeah. very sick during Friday's game and couldn't even back up last night. Uh, Igor didn't even go on the trip because he's got the flu. I think a bunch of other guys are dealing with it. I know that both Greer and McCormick were very sick last weekend. Um, so it's, you know, that's probably some of what we're seeing with the lineup being a little unsteady as far as scoring, but um, you know, they basically, they can kind of cruise from here with a, a seven point lead over Tucson. I mean, if they go 500 from here on out, Tucson has to win 10 out of the last 14 games to get past them. So it's, you know, it's looking pretty good. I just, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to handle it because they haven't made the playoffs since I really started following them. The last time they made the playoffs was in, 2010. <clears throat> Dang. No, and that's just, <laughs> it's just that's so wild. <laughs> Most of these kids weren't even born then. But uh, <laughs> um, but you know, I I don't like some of the things that they've been doing as far as using ECHL plugs, but I you know it's working. So you know I'll take it. For now, yeah, we'll we'll see if it keeps working. But get some playoff games under underneath some of these players, and maybe when they get get called up, then obviously the AHL and the NHL playoffs aren't the same thing, but it's it's valuable. Yeah, and the first round in the AHL playoffs is only a five game series, and it's usually a two three or something like that. So 
you know, even even if the the Eagles get the fourth seed, they'll probably get the first two home games, um, and they don't lose often at the the BEC. Yeah, so, the other team would be. I think I think in the AHL, the other team can choose if they want to start at home or on the road. Yeah, uh, I think. Or it also it, depends on building availability, but right. the other team should definitely not want to start in Colorado. Right. Yeah, but basically, basically the first round in the AHL is all luck. So if if you get in, you've got a chance to make it to the second round, and then anything can happen. So, um, you know that that that's where it could get fun. You know, it all sounds fun, just to make the most ham-fisted transition possible. Is uh, watching Kale McCarr play with the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> that would be fun. So or the, even the would. Eagles. So the people want to know when they'll see Kale McCarr. And before the show, y'all were telling me about kind of the different scenarios of when he may show up. So why don't we tell the people what they want to hear? Well, UMass is um, the second ranked team in the country, which means they, they basically, no matter how they do in the big East tournament, they're going to get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, which in hockey is only 16 teams. Um, so the earliest that he would be available, it, it would be the week after March 29th, <clears throat> um, which is basically the last week of the season for the abs. Um, so th that, that would be the earliest the abs have Four games that week, I think, but only but one of them's on Monday. It would be really tough for someone to get in and get into a game that quickly. So, you know, if 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 UMass happens to lose in the first weekend of the tournament, and they, you know, that would mean an under that would mean an upset would have to happen. Um, you know, he he could be available for three and perhaps four games at the end of the season. Um, if UMass does end up winning that weekend, then they take a weekend off and the final four is two weeks later. So that would come uh, right in the middle of the first round of the playoffs. So if the Avs do make the playoffs, he would probably be available um, for sure. Probably about game four. Um, so you know, th those are your scenarios for seeing him. Um, and that's with the caveat that, you know, they need to have a contract ready for him to sign and, you know, everything ready to go, which, you know, may, that may or may not be the case. We don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's possible he could just like a more likely scenario if the abs miss, but the Eagles make the playoffs, which is maybe looking like the more likely one here is he could play for the Eagles. Now, I don't. Yeah. It's also depending if he's willing to, but maybe it'd only be a few games, and it would be good for him to get a little bit of AHL experience, I guess, because he's probably not going to get any any other way. So it's possible that in either scenario, if he misses early or probably more later, it would be a little weird if he left by the end of March but only went to the Eagles. I think people would get. Yeah. A little, a little crazy about that. But say he goes to the final four, and whatever. But then the Eagles have have playoffs. I think that could be enticing enough to say, you know, hey, sign and you can play a little bit of pro playoffs, which would be good for him. So 
I guess kind of watch for that. But I do kind of have a feeling like we won't see him as much as everybody, including me, really, really would like to see him. And he's he's gotten he's had a great year, but just in the last maybe month or so, he's he's really raised his game. He's up to forty two points now, which is starting to break records for defensemen at both UMass and and in, in the Hockey and East. And yeah. I he's pretty much I think the runaway favorite for the Hobie Baker. I guess some they could all. The committee could always fall in love with somebody else, but it's just, he's really the story in college hockey this year, and especially on the East Coast. And it seems like they're going to want to reward him for staying and and all that. So yeah. kind of the general assumption going into the year was that we would see Kale McCarr around the end last week or two of the NHL regular season. And a lot of that was based on UMass being not a good hockey team. And he's kind of dragged them to the top of the nation. So that, that's, yeah, like what I, that's what happened there. What I was hoping, well, I thought that them winning the, the hockey's tournament would, would be um, like, like the big thing that they were shooting for. Like if they could win that and then get, cause the, the conference champions always get a bids into the tournament, but that would be kind of like their ceiling. I thought they'd be, better but that they were kind of capped at that not that they have a realistic chance to to win the whole thing which is incredible that they've done so well and taken such a huge step this year yeah i mean they've been number two in the country for most of the year um behind saint cloud um so that's you know that that's a big accomplishment and it, you know it's not just mccarr but it's just the his fingerprints are all over their accomplishments this year, just because, you know, it's not just what he does. It's, it's what him being in the lineup allows them to do with the rest of the guys. And it's just, it, you know, it's a really big thing. Um, and they've said that he's like part of the team. It's not like a superstar and everyone else kind of stuff that he's really sees himself as, as part of the whole, the process and everything. Yeah, and it's like a, his defensive partner is a very offensive um, defenseman who's a freshman. And <clears throat> I guess he was just cited like a, he was the first freshman or rookie in Hockey East to score 10 goals in, in quite a while. And, you know, that just says that, you know, first of all, like if you're looking at Makar's points, like, oh, gee, why doesn't he score like a hat trick every night? It's because, you know, he is the defensively responsible guy on that pair. And, and you know, yet he still has 40 points. <laughs> um, <laughs> and not only that, he makes his partner better. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's a very special season. And, you know, I, I've said this before, but I think the fact that he is sort of, you know, a team guy and willing to sort of play any role at any given time is something that's going to allow him to quickly integrate into the abs. It's not going to be something where he, you know, he's a guy that's used to being the shizzle wherever he was and comes into the NHL and, and, you know, has to take a, a backseat to everybody else. I mean, I think he's going to be much better equipped to deal with that just because of his personality. And then another one to that we're kind of watching out for is Bowers and, his team is in the situation where they're going to have to win the hockey's tournament 
to go any further. So as soon as they lose, he'll be available. Like McCarr and UMass is going to play in the hockey's tournament as well, but it's just, it's almost irrelevant. They don't need to win it. They don't even need to win their first game. Yeah. They're going to have enough points to, to go to the NCAA tournament. But for Bowers and BU, it's, they, they've got to win. And next week is the first, um, it's is it single? It's single game. It's not best of three, right? I can't it's remember. It's best of two, I think. Best or of my, two. My, it's either best of yeah. two or best of three. But yeah, so, they, they play. They start off playing yeah. at UMass Lowell, and UMass Lowell. I don't know where they're ranked now, but they've been in sort of the mid-teens for the last few weeks. Um, they're a better team. Um, BU is not favored to win that. We, you know, I, I watched BU play Maine last night, and they were garbage. And so, I mean, it's, you know, at, probably by this time next week, it could be that Bauer's college career is over um, and sort of the, you know, what they do then, we have no idea whether, you know, he, I don't know if he's going to want to come to Colorado to play for the Eagles. You know, I, I hope he does. I hope the Avs sign him and give him an ATO to the Eagles and, you know, let him help them down the stretch and in the playoffs and all that. Um, you know, that that would be the best of both worlds because um, they have a lot of guys down there that aren't really centers. It's sort of a organizational have talent. thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know another thing too. Um, so you know, he he could be a big help, let's say. And I, I think if he got a solid month with the Eagles, which is regular season, and their season goes a week later than the Avs, so it really yeah. it would be close to several weeks and then if there's even playoffs on the table i think if he got that ahl experience that would put him so much further ahead in the fall yeah. i think then it would be on the table where maybe he could make the team yeah i mean i think that's i think atos or you know just sort of late season play um coming into the ahl like that is much more important for the college guys than it is for the CHL guys because, um, you know, they, you know, the, the college guys haven't been able to go through a training camp <clears throat> with the Avs yet. And, you know, it, we, we've seen with a lot of the, the guys that come into late season, it's sort of like having a training camp, a, a pro training camp. Um, and it, it really prepares them a lot better uh, for what they're going to go through in September. Shout out so, to the Bird's house. <laughs> <laughs> how you know we're getting close to springtime, spring hockey. Happy little chirping birds. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just for selfish reasons, I'd, I'd really like to see Bowers, uh, you know, get a bunch of games with the Eagles. I, I think it would help both him and the Avs next year. So, yeah, I do too. Make that happen. I do too. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to see him, but I, I do think it would help him. And, and along those lines, there's, you know, there, there's also a bunch of other people that, that could be involved with this. You know, we, we could see um, some of the some of the guys that are on better teams uh, trickle in as, as the spring goes on, uh, as their playoff teams get eliminated. Nick Henry, um, Brandon Sajan, maybe, you know, some of the other college guys, you know, if they're they're interested in signing someone like Cameron Morrison or. Dennis Smirnoff, or if Adam Werner's team in in Sweden gets eliminated in time, you know those are all guys we might be able to see. 
But yeah, Makar and Bauer is like the two main ones. The two that you really, really hope to hear news about. Yep, those yeah, the those are the guys. Yeah, those are the difference makers. That's that's who we really want to see. So this is pretty much it. Colorado are at home all this week, beginning on Monday, 7 o'clock Eastern against the Carolina Hurricanes. And we get our last little break of the year until on Friday, the hopefully hapless Anaheim Ducks come to town for a 7 o'clock mountain start. Finally, on Sunday, the Avs close out this homestand with a 1 o'clock matinee against the New Jersey Devils before things get serious the following week. When faced with opportunities this season to bank some points, the Avs have reliably choked on them. <laughs> Will that be the story this time? Gosh, you really got to think they should get... If they can't beat New Jersey, who hasn't been good, I think they have like eight forwards injured. If they can't beat that team, yeah. they should just pack it in. <laughs> but, um, I, I think there's a big time unfinished business with Anaheim just because the, the, the way that game went last week. Um, and those teams hate you know, each I, other. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't think anyone in that locker room came out of that game with anything positive to say, really. I think a lot of them came out with the flu. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I feel like they should be able to have a good week. They should be able to get four points. Like four points I think that's a, a reasonable ask. Yeah. yeah, that should be a yeah. reasonable ask that they can win two out of three of these games. They're all at home, which... Not like they've been dominant at home, but they should have an opportunity to rest at this point. They have no travel going in and out of break, this little mini break. They should be rested and ready to actually win. Since you mentioned that they haven't exactly been dominant at home, shout out to Altitude, who uh, I don't remember which game it was. It was one of the two home games this week. Specifically stated that Colorado's home and road records are basically the same. <laughs> and then went on to say, so let's use that home ice advantage. <laughs> and they did. Well, it's not a disadvantage. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wonder, I wonder about Carolina just because the, you know, they're playing better than they generally do. And that's sort of a multi-year thing. So you wonder about that, but, but Gruby played very well against them uh, last fall and Carolina's really just never had any luck against the Avs. So they haven't, but that should be a, you, you made a good point there. The Carolina are, they, they kind of feel right now like a team that's finally getting it. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah. That, that's, you know, I can't watch them, but that's the impression I get. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I'm excited, I'm excited to see guys like Svechnikov and Aho. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it'd be great That'd if be I could fun. see it, but yeah. <laughs> One of my two radio games of the year, but... <laughs> um, and guess what? You'll get Mosier. I bet you can find a way to watch that game. No, it's Monday night. <laughs> That's what I said, you'll get Mosier on radio. I know. So just like I said, every time Colorado has had opportunities to gather some points against teams that aren't any good, while their opponents aren't playing or while their opponents have harder schedules, whether that was you know 
earlier this month or December or or whatever. It just it hasn't ended well. So I'm not not super optimistic about more than like three points this week. But if, yeah. if, if the team want to, to play more than 82 games this season, they must get four points at least. I, I just think losing Landy, I mean, obviously we didn't miss him versus Buffalo. And it's just, I mean, you're going to miss your captain. Yeah, they will. Um you know, I mean, you you could come up with a game like that where the opponent doesn't show up, but you know, out of out of all three of these games, you're going to need Gabe in, you know, at least two of them, and I I just I'm not sure how that's going to go. Shout out to the train at Hurl's house. <laughs> I think the Avs will do whatever it is just to stay frustrating. Yeah. Either they won't win this week and we'll think, okay, you've really done it. And then they'll beat Dallas and Minnesota next week. Or the opposite will happen. They'll win all the games this week and we'll be like, oh, we finally have some momentum. And then they won't win those games. That's pretty much what I think. It's just, it's it's so hard to handicap when you have teams that like are so Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, the Avs, you know, Minnesota looked totally out of it. And then they go and win five games in a row. And Arizona, what did they win? Seven games in a row to get you know sort of in between us here. They've been um, sailing. I don't know what's going on over there. Right. So it's just you know, I, I, you just can't count on any of these three teams. If you know, I, I think Dallas has been a little more consistent, but mediocre. Um, so it's like handicapping this race down the stretch. I just I, I don't know what to think about any of these teams. I mean, any two of them, I wouldn't be really surprised if they made it. Well, we probably won't know who's making it yet at the end of the week, but we will have a much better idea of where Colorado fit into that picture and whether the following week is just hockey games or lots and lots of stress. So whichever you're looking forward to, you know you'll be able to find out here. You can always follow the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast catching application. And you can find us on SoundCloud too at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio. We post every episode on burgundyrainbow.com. We hang out on the Discord, which you can find linked on burgundyrainbow.com most of the time for any yelling that you want to do. So let's see if the avalanche rise to the occasion or sink to the occasion, as they often do. You can head up into dirty areas, and we will see you in a week. Thanks, y'all. I will... My phone just died. (laughs) 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 Your phone made it, is what you meant to say. That's true. It crossed the finish line and fell on its face. (laughs) All right. Well, what I was saying was... (laughs)